Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me as always, contacting me <laughs> over radio frequencies is Tara. Greetings, citizens. I, if I'd remembered what you know, like the, the the lingo was, it was like breaker, niner, blah 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 blah. blah I, I don't remember. CQ, CQ. Some, some, some. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. It's really quite that simple. And today's episode is a Patreon vote winner because every month the patreon.com slash TV or five dollar up patrons get to vote between four movies. Uh, the theme for this was actually just a simple, very simple thing. It was the alphabet. Uh, we had a movie beginning with A, a movie beginning with B. C and D, and of course the C movie one, because we're here today to talk about Contact. So, we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get to spoilers. But this is a Robert Zemeckis-directed film from 1997. Uh, and just in case you weren't sure of that, you hear a little bit of Space Girls at the start, just to set it into, <laughs> into its time period. Um, but this is a movie about First Contact. Uh, Jodie Foster plays a... I have no idea what her job title is but she, she's astronomer a, oh yeah I, I guess okay she's an astronomer but i feel like she has a more specific job title because she works with like you know frequencies and satellites and radio sound waves and she all works that. with radio yeah, yeah radioscopes uh but she plays this character who uh is always like dreamed of, of of finding something out there you know the flashbacks is a little girl is her on an old shortwave radio trying to contact different states and just just for the fun of it just because that's uh but she's this smart you know wunderkind style character who takes these jobs and uh ultimately of course does hear something coming from space and it's about deciphering this message what it means and the reaction of the the greater community on, on earth as to what we should do about this what those messages are and the debates over should we treat them as hostile should we follow the instructions that may or may not be in those messages and so on and so on I, I'm, I'm trying to keep this you know as light as possible spoilers wise but uh that's where a lot of the the, the plot goes so um it, you know it's funny because it starts off being like oh this could just be a drama if they never hear anything but of course they do hear something so it, it, it veers more sci-fi the more it goes <laughs> but by the time you get to the end there's a lot more science fictiony stuff kind of coming into it uh, but that is the the basic thing. Also, Matthew McConaughey is in this uh, long before his reconnaissance. Uh, mm-hmm. This was like deep in his uh, rom com era, if you will, or maybe even early on in his rom com era. So uh, maybe like out of not out of style, but like a, a slightly different role for him because he's not in a rom com here. This is not a rom com, right? And he's not dazed and confused. And he's not dazed and confused. Uh, Talking about high school girls. <laughs> I've never seen this and confused, but I am familiar. Oh, with. that's like his famous line: "Like the great thing about high school girls, I get older, they stay the same age." He's such a slime ball. Yeah, sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like a treat. Sounds like a treat. Uh, so that's basically uh, it. We'll talk a bit more of the cast in a minute, and we'll talk about uh, stuff. But I, I guess I have to start off with asking Tara the question that I always always ask: Tara, how did you feel? about contact love it love this film i think it's amazing and i actually haven't watched it in like maybe 10 years or so it's been a long time i've had the blu-ray because i've just i always own a copy of contact um it was a very important film for me when it came out i saw this film like four times in the theater 
I think. And it was, uh, came out at a very like influential age for me. Um, the thing that I remember the most about the film is just how much I attached myself to the character of Eleanor Arroway and the things that she loves. Um, even like the people she loves and her struggles, um, just in, in a society that like doesn't listen to women. And, um, you know, I, I just, I really loved watching her character throughout this, especially cause, um, like when I was very young and hanging out with, uh, other friends who are my age and uh, they're all girls also. And we would like play games and role play and, and uh, during like uh, recess and stuff. And we would play like power Rangers and everybody wanted to be the red Ranger, like all of us. And we were all girls and we all wanted to be, you know, the hero of, of the power Rangers. Like nobody wants to be the girls, even though we all are girls. I know you have a very different opinion of the females in Power Rangers, but when we were young and watching Kimberly it... Kimberly like, Hart. My heart. I know. I know. She was the worst. Also, <laughs> it feels weird, though, it's y'all wanted to be red. Like, green was where it was at, okay, if we were going fantasy. Well, I mean, but, this was, like, the first year of okay, Power Rangers. Okay. I don't remember. Like, I think he came in in the movie, right? Or Oh, no, no, like no, no. He was in the first year of the show. Well, I remember the, the main, like, five... It, it was um, the, it was the five for a while before he came in, but it was like season one of Power Rangers is like fifty episodes. He came <laughs> in at like episode twenty three or something like that. <laughs> well, like when I remember playing Power Rangers, it was it was five, and we all had to like pick one. There were four of us, and nobody wanted to be pink or yellow. Like we all wanted to be the boys because the boys have all the hero roles, they have all the leadership roles, they have all the respected roles, and the girls uh, look pretty, talk about their nails. And that's it. Like, those are, like, if you're a girl, your story is that you'll fall in love and you'll, the, the main guy will choose you. That's, that's like the thing that you can look forward to one day. So it was so nice to have a film where, like, you're watching a woman and she is struggling, but this is her hero's journey. Like, it does follow that format of, like, getting, like, an oracle and getting a message from, from, like from God really and um her journey and like there's a whole death and rebirth that comes out of it and it's there's so much going on in this film like watching it now um takes me back and I get really emotional watching it um and I I really do think that it's just a really really great film and very important to me obviously I, I, no, I think that was a really interesting lens to view it through. I I don't have this early experience. I saw it, I've seen it once before now, and that was like, I don't know, like 15 years ago, you know, maybe high school age, maybe a little bit later. Uh, um, but I, I think that was a, a very heartfelt statement, which will work as a good primer for the conversation to come. <laughs> okay, I'll get this out of the way. What the hell? Primer. Primer. It's pronounced primer, you stupid writers and movie-making people. <laughs> primer. Are you sure there's just not multiple ways that you can pronounce it? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a different word. Maybe, maybe I'm confusing... Maybe there's a separate word called primer. 
that I'm confusing with Primer. But every time they said, I I felt like it was like, it was like someone stepped on something. I'm like, you know, I was feeling it. I was feeling it in my bones. And I realized you just said this beautiful speech about how this meant to you as a young girl growing up because it was a strong female lead character who got to be the the hero of the story. And I'm starting this with Primer. <laughs> I realize, I realize the uh, the male privilege here of focusing on something stupid is at full play. I'm fully aware of that. I we'll acknowledge talk about that. male privilege in this review. <laughs> well, we will. I acknowledge that completely. But goddamn, every time they said Primer, I wanted to punch something. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think it was that many times, but like, okay, I understand that that would be annoying. <laughs> It is sounding so stupid. I'm not convinced that it's the wrong pronunciation. I like there might be just multiple <laughs> ways to pronounce it. There might be, but my, people say you can say Jeff and not Gif. Those people are wrong. Okay, <laughs> I it's do a agree GIF. with that. It's a Gif. God damn it! If you if you say Jeff, you're on the wrong side of history, and that's just like where we are in life. Um, well, I mean, you know, the '90s were different. You, know, you can call the internet the the net, and everyone knew what you were talking about. But if you refer to it as the net now, everyone looks at you like you're insane. Oh yeah, I'm going to walk in the next day. I was surfing last. I was surfing in the web. Oh man, I remember the ads of like kids on surfboards, like going through oh, computer screens and stuff. And we get some nice like Windows Windows three point one porn in this too. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> we we also get some really dodgy looking. Like I'm pretty sure emails have never looked and functioned like this. Because like, it's like oh, a, yeah, yeah. it's like instant. There's chat. like early Skype on it yeah. also. <laughs> it's like instant chat, but it's like called emails. It's, it's weird. Um, science fiction. Nineties nineties is it was a weird time for computers. Hollywood didn't understand them yet, so they just said like they just they either pretended they could do nothing or they pretended they could do anything and right well there's even like some there's there's even like a plane that shows up at one point that lands like a helicopter and like that doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah i'm getting into silly things to talk about which is partly what this show is but (laughs) to, to, to actually give my thoughts on the movie um this is not an important movie to me the way it is to Tara. I don't have this attachment to it. And I'd forgot. I'd remembered the, the premise. I remembered the ending, by and large. Uh, I remembered the, the core ideas. I had forgotten a lot of it, though. Um, and I, I, I'm, go- I'm going to be positive, but kind of a lukewarm positive on this. Um, I, I think that... You and everybody else, really. Uh, Honestly, I think some of it is just too schmaltzy Hollywood cheese at times. Like, some of the ideas that it's, that it's going for are, are really good and solid. But then there's, like, cheesy flashbacks with slow motion running and, you know, like... I was shocked that Alan Silvestri did the score to this because I would I would have sworn it was Thomas Newman. I would have sworn at every fiber I'd be in because it's that cheesy 90s Thomas Newman sounding piano that comes in. And it's just a little too heartwarming at times. And there's moments where speeches are made that feel a little too on the nose, where it just it, like it beats you over the head with the, the statement that it's trying to make. Um, you know, mo- moments where... Like, I- I'm all for setup and payoff. I am. Like, obviously, that that's the fundamentals, right? You know, setup and payoff ultimately is... like You, you can almost just take the Chekhov's gun joke and just extrapolate that to every sort of setup and payoff. So... Like including just ideas that are mentioned. So, in on the one hand, 
yes, I appreciate that a character brings up Oakham's Razor at one point, right? And then it's brought up later on in the film again. But when it's brought up later on in the film, you know, there's like staring at each other like it's a big moment and like what it means to everyone involved. And it just, it, it goes a little too hard on the sentimental stuff, I think, to the point where it feels a little... Uh, I, I, I guess I would have preferred a more cerebral version of this story rather than one that's uh, as small. Because, you know, there's some stuff at the end without... And I'm going to keep this as spoiler-free as I can. But there's some stuff at the end that if you just change the tone of it a little bit, it could feel very 2001. And obviously this doesn't. It never feels like that at all because it just doesn't have that tone. It doesn't have that, that, that feel. It's going for something very different, which is fine. Like that, that Obviously, it's totally fine that it's going for something different. But... There's kind of this just, like, Hollywood sheen to the whole thing, and some of the, the character interactions that feel a little bit like cheesy Hollywood to me. And I never kind of completely shook that throughout the movie. Uh, so, <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm nervous, because I knew Tara really loved this. And I, I was warned, even threatened, one might say, a couple of times before the show started today <laughs> about this conversation. So I'm being as diplomatic as I possibly can be. This is, this. I mean, honestly, this is what I expected to hear from you, okay, especially okay. after the Dune review. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is, this I get is it. The... Like a lot of people don't like this movie, and I think a lot of it comes from the ending. People are just disappointed by the ending. I think the ending works. I think uh, if you did something different, you risk um, it being too Hollywood in a way, like. Well, we have to show this because that's what everyone expects. I, I think it's it, it's almost too Hollywood in a different direction, though. And we can talk about that when we get to the, the ending. I, I, I will think it's pretty ballsy. I will say, as well, that there there is one other big thing in this movie that doesn't quite ever sit right with me. And it's one of the core ideas of the movie. And part of it's a personal bias. Is it God? I mean, I wasn't going to get into it too much. But yes, the religious element of the movie, I do think is quite murky. And I don't know if the... I don't know if the movie quite says something clear by the end that I, I took away from it. And I, there was at times where, honestly, as someone who is an atheist, right, and let's get that bias out of the way immediately, there are times in this movie where I felt like I was being preached to. Uh, mm-hmm. And once you once you give me that feeling, once you give me the feeling that you're trying to say, oh, no, but you atheist, like, this is all about understanding how we feel about God. Once, once you get to that point where I feel like you're trying to teach me that feeling there is an inherent kind of disconnect of uh this is starting to feel a little bit joe's funny about this this is almost like i'm going to try and legitimately give a critique a fair and balanced critique of something that i do legitimately think crosses over into being something that like in another direction like so many things these days if there's anything remotely political in something a group of people will call it sjw trash or they'll call it uh, oh, it's got an agenda. It's trying to push all these ideas down our throats and things like that. I don't think this is pushing an idea down my throat, but I think effectively what I'm going to talk about when I try to talk about this later is the more like good faith take on like when a movie does step over a little bit of a line into oh now I feel like I'm like someone's trying to convince me of something uh, that fundamentally just goes against something I I feel or believe or or whatever. Right, so. Does that make sense? Does that? I understand. I disagree. Uh, that's fair, and I'm and actually. I'm inter- also an atheist. Yeah, obviously. That, that, honestly, the most interesting thing about this movie, when I got to the last ten minutes, was like, I cannot wait to hear 
like Tara's because I know you love this movie. So in, mm-hmm. unless you came in and said you were shocked that it like you you've changed your mind because it's been a long time since you watched it, I was legitimately excited to hear what you like about a lot of this stuff towards the end of the movie because mm-hmm. I know how you feel about religion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I understand. Yeah. Um. It could be maybe maybe going against my beliefs to defend it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think. Part of what is encouraging is that Carl Sagan, up until his death, was very, very involved in this production. He wrote the book for it, mm-hmm. which I, I read many years ago. And although I don't remember the religion aspect being as heavy in this, like obviously religion was always an obstacle in in this and, and in the book. But like the, the themes of religion is not, not I, I don't say it's absent, but it's not really it, 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 this movie has a lot more of that. it's more front and center i mean in this movie there's a point where it's basically the main thing oh yeah totally i would say absolutely it is um but the fact that carl sagan who is also a staunch atheist uh, or agnostic i'm not quite sure but like he had i mean if you look up carl sagan's like quotes about god like they're very clear on what he feels and it is very much the position of eleanor airway but he you know was very involved in this film and he obviously knew what the themes of it were going to be. And I think he is a bit, uh, like this message I think is okay. Especially when we get more into like the themes of, I, of technology and, and whatnot, like, um, I, and just division, stuff like that. One, one thing I, I do want to make clear though, I, I do not have any opposition to the idea of faith based characters and it's certainly not faith in storytelling in fact some even with my own personal feelings on actual religion and faith sometimes the idea of faith admittedly i I tend to lean towards more when it's not tied to religion per se but sometimes some of the the most interesting story stories and characters do come from ideas of where characters need to take something on faith and the idea of a character believing something is really important I actually mm-hmm. get into that all the time in storytelling. It's a really important thing because ultimately believing in something and having faith in an idea or a person or like no- nothing is more fulfilling to me than when a character who is otherwise cynical chooses to believe in someone else and then is rewarded for it. Just as an example, um, like the idea of faith as a storytelling like driving force and, and, and a, a place to take genuine emotion from and it, on the subject of Carl Sagan and sort of pivoting to that, like, you know, I, I'm not that familiar with Carl Sagan's work. I've heard his famous Pale Blue, Blue Dot speech, which is wonderful. And even that speech talks about how science is humbling and how it makes us realize just how small we are and all the rest of it. You know, like, space is a humbling experience. And in a lot of ways, like, science does become akin to the religion to a lot of people. Not in that you worship it in the same way, but ultimately... And like, movie, your beliefs are based on it. Yeah, and, in a way although it's hard to call them beliefs but like yeah this whereas people who have faith have something else that's backing them up you know people who don't have that have science in a way so like they are diametrically opposed that way so like making the comparison and drawing those comparisons is totally fine and i kind of get what you're going like what the movie's going for with that but i think it, it basically gets a bit too hammy for me at certain points uh there's moments when that piano music comes in and 
like emotional speeches are being made where I am just a little drawn out of it because it feels a bit too like I, I can I can feel like it, it's it's not a Ron Howard movie but it feels like Ron Howard st- you know, is helping direct some of these scenes I can feel the Ron Howardness of some and it's not that Ron <laughs> Howard's a bad director Ron Howard's made some solid movies but like Ron Howard and Thomas Newman that's what this movie feels like and it's not it's Robert Zemeckis and Alan Silvestri it's the it's the it's the Back to the Future combination of Robert Zemeckis and Alan Silvestri but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like that team making this movie it feels very distinct from that uh so um it's not about some of the cast actually because uh i i was kind of laughing that you know tom scarrett's a big part of the movie and he's this character who doesn't really believe in eleanor's like dreams of finding like life through radio waves but once it does happen he's kind of a skeevy guy who starts to like take a lot of the credit and starts to like worm his way in uh, I did laugh quite a bit when I realized that when she ha- like when they stop funding her work and she goes looking for other funding, well, if one actor from Alien won't give you the money, I'm sure another one will because then John Hurt shows up in a different role, and that was kind of amusing to me. Um, He's the Elon Musk of this time. <laughs> yeah, um, David Morse, who I've known from a bunch of things. I'm used to him playing a villain more often than not, but he's in here as the father in the flashbacks. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I guess he was the villain in uh, 12 Monkeys in a way, huh? Ki- I think that's kinda, the thing that we've seen him in. Yeah, he was the villain in uh, that awful, what was it, Disturbia, which was like the, the, the rear window ripoff. Honestly, like I know him from uh, TV. I don't I don't really know him so Not much sure. from movies as I do from TV. I, I've seen him in... I mean, well, I he's got... always been like the love interest and the, the like the hunk. Oh, sure. You know? The hunk? Really? Really? <laughs> okay. I'll yeah, take I mean, he's, he's got a thing. He's got a thing going on. I mean, he's, not, he's, not, he's not an ugly man by any means, but I just don't see <laughs> hunk, I guess. Um, and what was surprised me, actually, is I had like a, a weird moment at the start of the movie because I was like, oh, that's a little girl playing young Jodie Foster. I was like, oh, she looks a little bit like uh, Jenna Malone. I didn't really yeah. think anything else about it. And then the second time I saw her, I'm like, you know what? She really does look like young Jenna. I'm going to look this up. Is she Jenna Malone? And sure enough, I was yeah. like, because oh, in, in my head I was doing the math. I'm like, would she be this age about now? Is this does this line up with who she is now? Which is funny to me because this is a weird two sided thing in this movie where Jodie Foster was an actor as a kid, so we know what Jodie Foster looked like, and Jenna Malone is an actor as an adult, so we know what she grew up to look like. So it's this really <laughs> weird thing where I know what both of them look like at these ages. It's like flipped. Yeah. So it's just kind of I don't, I don't really have a point here except that it's just kind of funny and weird and yeah I mean they I think as a child Jen Jen Malone can like yeah I I think she would look she looks like she would grow up to look like Jodie Foster like it's close enough yeah but I know what she looks like though <laughs> so, yeah so I'm like, actually every time I've seen her since this film I think that's the girl from Contact really okay <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even know what I first noticed Jenna Malone in. Uh, I definitely saw her in Kick-Ass 2, which is a terrible film. Uh, but Kick-Ass 1's great, but Kick-Ass 2's terrible. Um, but I don't think I, like, I didn't really remember from that. It wasn't until later I realized it was her in that. I, I think it was, you know, you know, she's in Neon Demon and she's in uh, she's in one of the Hunger, Hunger Games, Games, I think. She's in yeah. a bunch of stuff around then. Yeah. I uh, mean, she was a child. I think she was in Stepmom the susan sarandon film that came out shortly after this she was one of the kids in that i think oh sure sure uh so other actors that are worth mentioning william fichtner is in here and i like him a lot he, he's one of those character actors who pops up a lot especially in the 80s yeah. and 2000s yeah he's uh, great I, I love his character in this and he's did you check his name kent 
His name is Kent Clark. Oh, I didn't hear his last name. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, his name's Kent Clark. Actually, uh, he's named after a real-life uh, SETI astronomer who was, in fact, blind. And his name was Kent something else. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So was someone a Superman fan who named this character? Or like <laughs> I what? suppose, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of impossible to escape that, right? But he's got, he's got some superhuman abilities. Yeah. Uh, James Woods is in here as the slimy guy from the White House who's like really cynical about everything. Uh, Angela Bass has got a, a small role here as well, working at the White She's House. So, so, you know, you've got a pretty notable cast surrounding the, the leads, but, you know, it's just very much Jodie Foster. And oh. we got a Busey. Oh, we do have a Busey. Yeah. Uh, so, not, not the good... I mean, it's Jake Busey. It's not Gary Busey. Um... <laughs> Gary Busey would have like res- you know this movie would have been elevated if if it was Gary Busey instead of Jake. Uh, Jake Jake Busey's character in this I don't like that much, and I'm going to talk about that in spoilers. Uh, can't really you can't really talk about him without spoilers. So it's a small role, but it's a memorable, pivotal mm-hmm. one. You have so. to remember that it, it's mentioned in this film. Mm-hmm. But this is not that far fr- from the uh, Heaven's Gate cult. Oh, sure. Yeah. Just just keep that in mind when you talk about him. My my problem isn't conceptual. My problem is, <laughs> I guess, the performance with the hair hair and clothes and just the the way it builds to him just feels really cheesy. But I'll I'll talk a bit more about that later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Plus, he's he's got a face that's like, that's 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 actor Jake Busey. Like, I I don't see like a <laughs> an individual like a real person. I, see- I mean, I only know him from this and from Starship Troopers. I know you've seen him in other things because I think we talked yeah. about it in Starship Troopers. But like, yeah, I it's it's great to see a Busey on screen. I don't know what you have a problem with. <laughs> I mean, he Jake looks Bu- so much like his dad. <laughs> Jake Busey's all right, but Gary Busey, that's the real like gold mine. Well, for- he's a treat for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, highly recommend Gary Busey Pet Judge if you got Amazon Prime, everyone. Um, real treat. So, but it's really Jodie Foster. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is obviously the, the co-build lead. Although, to be honest, I would argue that Tom Skerritt's actually probably got more screen time than he does. Um, I'd say the importance of, of McConaughey because of what he represents mm. is probably a bit more than Tom Skerritt. That, no, that's but fair. That's a fair point. I think that I do actually really like McConaughey in this. He's kind of like, I'd say this is also pretty close to Amistad, where he's like trying to be a serious actor mm. before he's like sucked into you know whatever uh, how, Kate how, how, Kate movies. How to lose a guy in uh, yeah fifteen Kate Hudson films and stuff like that. whatever that movie's called. <laughs> The ghost of girlfriends past. Yeah. Before we lost him for a little while. And then he came back into the drama. Uh, And then Christopher Nolan came along and said, would you like to be reconnaissanced in Interstellar? (laughs) Would you like to have a meme? (laughs) Give him a thing. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, so I I guess there's not too much left to talk about. Spoiler free. Um... I don't think it's a bad. I think it's a very easy watch. For for all the critiques that I'm I'm going to give it, and 
talk about what doesn't work for me. I do think it's a very easy... I mean, it's two and a half hours, so it's a bit of a long watch, but it is an easy enough watch uh, whilst you're watching it. Um, I mean, the, the one flip side of it being kind of uh, maybe a little too Hollywood and, like, sentimental is that it's a very, like, easy thing to sit through because of that. It's not a, it's not a challenging film in that sense, but it is... You know, I I have some critiques. I have some things that don't work, and I do think there's some fundamentals that, uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll get to. We'll get to. So I love this movie. I I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm worried. Uh, so full spoilers. <laughs> I'll be nice. Full spoilers nice. for cunt. I'll be nice. I'm going to be nice. Uh, Joe, it's funny. There's there's a moment earlier in the film. It's not quite like. We've already met him, and he's we've had like sort of the the extended prologue of like the the Puerto Rican stuff. But uh, the first time I think we see Matthew McConaughey like after that, he's on like t- he's on like TV. I think is it Larry King? He's on, uh, and he's talking about his book, and he's talking about technology because he's can't he's it's, it's alluded to that he's a little bit anti technology and thinks that technology's mm-hmm. like things that are supposed to bring us together separating yeah. us and the, the part that made me laugh here this is just purely like an anecdotal anecdotal thing but he talks about how you know yeah we're, we're shopping at home and we're surfing the web but it's just making us more alone and i kind of laughed a little bit at that because i'm like well i'm going to do a podcast later with uh, tara who's on the other side of the planet uh <laughs> which the technology of the internet is is allowing so i mean i don't know if more alone is accurate in the grand scheme of things but <laughs> Well, I don't think they had Skype back then, although the movie says otherwise. Yes. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the government had some sort of Zoom the, the technology. Fact, but even in, in 97, you could text chat with people, though. Like, that was a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. there was arguments to be made that are just kind of glossed over. It's true. It's true. I Although I don't think he's wrong. Like, I, I think, like, there is a sense of isolation that comes from the comfort of being able to have these quick fixes like we can make friendships online so why do we need to have real people to go outside with or like it or like the the superficialness of like uh instagram and and like facebook and stuff like that like look at all this all this uh, uh oh, no no this uh, great life i have yes but it's yes. all just like you're only seeing but- the good stuff to be fair, you're bringing up a lot of things that are long after this movie's inception. So, yeah, he just saw he just saw it coming. I, I, I'm thinking of what the internet was like in 1997. Well, I mean, chat rooms were around in like 97. Yeah, right? ch- chat rooms were, but I I didn't even touch the internet until like 2000, 2001. So, <laughs> like, a lot of people like internet. Yes, it, it was in a lot of homes in 1997, but it wasn't it wasn't a saturation point yet, right? You know, we're not quite at the point where everyone's using internet. Right. I th- I think his point is just that technology is invented to make things easier. And sometimes the, thing, the things that we want to make easier are the things that are scary, like going outside and meeting people. And that's something that gets lost because it's just easier to do it online but there's something missing from it. I feel like you're adding a whole lot to this that wasn't said in the scene. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, I think what I, I got... take away from it, watching it in the 2021 lens. No, I, I, I get how you're adding all this because I can see how you could, but I don't think a lot of that's in the scene itself. Uh, I, I guess the point... Well, I'm... I think the the well, theme the... of loneliness is absolutely in this film, like from the beginning. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But the, the point of what I'm making here is really less about the actual like statement in the scene and more... 
that this was the first of many times in this film where Matthew McConaughey said something and I said, F you, you asshole. Uh, I disagree. Um, okay, yeah. I think this is in here because... <laughs> I'll just make one statement. Okay. I think this is in here because Eleanor represents science and technology and thinks that she trusts that are tactile. And he's saying that that is going to cause you to be alone. So her search for like what's out there and like the the parallel that it is for for people who are searching for god she's searching for a voice through technology and stuff is causing her to be alone because she can't have real relationships like the one with a spiritual man like mcconaughey's character yeah she doesn't she doesn't you know they have this one night stand she just she doesn't call him she she leaves without mention uh we see that she is kind of uh you know she keeps to herself uh, well her, her turn happens when he says like she says, oh, you know, my mother died. I didn't really know her. My father died when I was nine. And he says, oh, so you're alone. And then that's when she, like, has the turn and says, I got to go to work and stuff. And never decides never to call him. Yeah. So, now, Matthew McCoy, though, there's a lot of things that he says in this movie. <laughs> that, like, I just, like, like, oh, God. Like, you, you, you really don't want me to agree with you, don't you? <laughs> you, you really... <laughs> any time the subject of religion like having any impact on any decisions being made uh it's, it's just it's something i don't like like at all church and state keep, <laughs> keep those bad boys separate they have yeah no but place. i mean we're we're outliers especially in that year so like another reason why i attached so much to eleanor in this film when i was young is that she had to have relationships with people who had these fantastical ideas like about God and stuff that for me was totally foreign. The only difference for her is that she seemed to be born with some sort of religion and left it and chose to leave it where I didn't have that at all. Like I was just born into a family of agnostic people. So like, but that, that parallel of like everyone ostracizing you and saying that, feeling bad for you because you ha don't have this is uh, was just something i just really related to like having to like have relationships with people friendship or otherwise who are spiritual and just you know the problems that that brings like not knowing if you know you can if, you, if you're really going to be uh, taking them seriously or respecting them even like to a certain degree if they have these other beliefs than you which i I think beliefs is the wrong word, but like, you know what I mean. Yeah, for for context on the flip side, though, uh, I, I I guess I should probably balance this out by saying my experience is very different. In that, when I you know when I was growing up, like no one, like I never heard anyone, barring maybe like one person in my entirety of school, ever talk about religion. No one. I no, I didn't know anybody who was like me until maybe like my first job, which was like around 16. But like for me, I was the only person I knew who didn't go to church. Maybe it's just the areas that we grew up in were different. But like I, was, well, no, I grew no, up no, in, possible, in Canada I, I want and to in the like, US. But I want to make this clear that like for, for the, the scope of this, because I, no one I knew went to church. Church was something that was kind of like, joked about like like the school would have maybe some end of year services in a church and all of us would be miserable having to listen to any like the like if you know if there was a minister giving like a speech or 
a sermon or, or whatever, right? I don't even know the terminology. This is like how little, like... But I don't no know one, either. Like, we, we all joked, we, we legitimately were joking in like high school that church, at, at least, I mean, we weren't really thinking of it on a global scale, just locally, but we were thinking... It's only old people who go to church. Like the, the churches are all going to have to shut down in like twenty years because they're all going to be dead, and no, no one's going to be yeah. there. Like church is not something that anyone talked about. No one cared, and it wasn't so much that everyone was like talking about uh, being atheist necessarily. Just no one really cared. No one talked about it. Um, and yeah, I have very different experiences. Well, like, no, for me, what, I, which is why I'm, I'm trying to make my experience clear here because when I watch a movie like this. And there's American characters who put such stock in how important it is that people care about God. It is so alien to me. And like mm-hmm. it actually actively makes me angry thinking there's people that this has to be an important factor in any kind of decision making. Because it shouldn't be. Um, and I think I want to make that clear because when I get to points in this movie where Matthew McConaughey says things like, you know, we can't have you representing humanity because... Like, you think 95% of people are suffering for some sort of mass delusion. Like, like my, my gut response to that almost in defiance because you think this is important, because you're thinking decisions should be based on this, is for me to go, well, yeah, they kind of are delusional, though. This is a kind of a mass delusion, if I'm honest with you. Uh, like, I'm not saying, that, like, it doesn't necessarily have to cause any harm, but there is, like, a delusion element here. <laughs> well, we're all just searching for the same thing. I think that's the point. Um, and whether or not like eh. people are, have that spiritual side of them, or if you're like like Eleanor who has to go through this this other journey to find something, I mean, she ends up in the same spot. Well, I mean, anyway, I had a very different experience. Mm. Like from from very early on, like when I first started going to school, one of my earliest memories. Are, are people asking me like, or telling me I'm going to hell because I didn't know what God was. And that was in Canada, which I, I don't know. That's no one I knew was like me. Everybody went to church. Everybody believed in God. And then when I moved to California, it was even worse. Like I lost friends over it because I said, my family doesn't believe in God and people didn't talk to me anymore. Or like my sister who, was in the Harry Potter age where she had friends that weren't allowed to go see Harry Potter movies because they had witches in them. Didn't celebrate Halloween because it was a pagan holiday. Like it was even more intense out here. Like it's just, it's definitely something that trying to build relationships, friendships or otherwise in it with people who have very different beliefs than you is a challenge, but like you don't want to be alone. So, like, how do you deal with it? Yeah. It's just something I definitely latched on to, especially at that age. Yeah, it's not something... That, that, like, it's not something I even remotely relate to. Typically, because so few people here are that religious, I've never had to, like, make do uh, with someone who is going to say things like, you're going to hell because you don't believe in God, or anything like that. Don't even know what it was. Yeah. Honestly, like, you know, the subject of religion and God growing up, if it did come up, because there was, you know, the one mandatory class where you had to learn about various religions. Like, honestly, it was mostly just, like, really boring to everyone. Like, most people just thought, this is sleep-inducing. We don't wait. You know, we don't care about this. Um, That was kind of the attitude for most people. Okay. I mean, I always enjoyed those classes just because 
it gave me a better understanding of like where other people are and it it reaffirmed what you know i believed in oh i mean i'm, I'm not saying true. i'm not saying as an adult there's no value in understanding what other people believe i'm saying at the time when i was 13 14 i was oh my god this is so bo- boring when is lunch like that that, that like <laughs> I, i'm saying what was good through my head at the time um and it's you know it, it makes and i like i said i have no problem with a lot of religious concepts or characters in movies because you know i'm watching a fictional movie and i'm watching movies that have ghosts or aliens or witches or superheroes in it like in a movie god can exist sure why not like it is a movie after all um and i, I realized this conversation this may be one of the more controversial conversations that we've ever had on this show and if we have any religious regulars who are listening to this and uh are feeling alienated i you know i apologize i don't want you to feel uh like i'm shitting on you uh by any means I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've done it uh, yeah maybe a little bit but like this is such <laughs> a heavy topic in this movie that it's it's hard to to avoid it and it's hard to avoid the bias that i think both of us bring to this but clearly there's enough other things for you to relate to in this that it's not impacted as much for you as it is for me. Whereas for me, every, every time, like, like by the time, like, I, I get what it's doing by the end of the movie where like Eleanor has something. Cause he, he goes on this, this whole thing at the start when they're talking about his beliefs, where he talks about how he went through this experience and she says, well, are you sure you experienced this or you just need to experience this or you need to believe this. So you had this moment. And but one of the first things that annoyed me in the movie actually is, uh, you know, you you can't prove this exists or anything and his comeback to this is well did you love your father and she's like uh yeah obviously and he's like we'll prove it then and i'm like this isn't the same thing <laughs> this is a false equivalency it's the it's the idea of trying to explain something that is not tangible like it's something you have to it's an emotional experience rather than like uh, something that's like well two plus two is four yeah but like <laughs> emotions are understandable and we all feel emotions like we all well i mean unless you're a sociopath i guess but that's a whole other <laughs> kettle of fish um like it, it just it felt it, like, it just it just puts her in the spot you it, know it felt like, it felt like such a gotcha moment and i'm like no that doesn't get her at all like she <laughs> like pr- proving one's love like do you know what people do try and prove their love all the time a, a lot of romantic gestures are kind of like trying to tell someone how you feel about them that's kind of why people say it's important to tell each other how they yeah, feel and do things for each other. Like, Are they doing it because they really love them or because they want to sleep with them? Well, I was thinking the context of a father and daughter here, so I mean, I wasn't really... Uh, <laughs> well, you said romantic gestures. Oh, sure, okay, sure, yes. Yes, okay. I mean, obviously, larger scheme, but here, here specifically, we're talking about a father and daughter. Uh, I, you know, I... <sighs> It, it, that was that was like a, that was the first moment where I'm like I don't buy that as an argument like I just don't think that works, um, and I, I've definitely heard better arguments for for explaining this uh, than that. I, I I don't I don't know I don't think that one hit true for me at all. Um, but anyway, the point of this all thing is that he has this this speech with her, and the idea being is that he feels something but he can't prove it but he knows it's real. And the entire movie's plot 
gets her in the, the very end to have an experience that she can't prove so that she then has to be put on like literally on a trial she's in like a like a hearing in washington and she's like this this and this all happened this amazing journey through a wormhole that took me to an alien planet where i spoke to an alien who looked like my dad uh all, all of that this happened but there's no proof not and... just that like it is truly like she goes to heaven like she dies and goes to heaven she gets buried in a tomb with no doors and she drops into a white light she describes the first thing she says is oh god and she goes in through this tunnel and then comes out at the end and is able to speak to a ghost the ghost of her father but it's also like um through the aliens metaphorically it's all metaphorically it's not literal it's not literal but like it is very much like she has died and gone to heaven to see her her loved ones yeah i'm not gonna lie i kind of hate that she sees her dad i don't mind it i I know i know people hate it and i i we sort of talked about it in the beginning Mm. about how i think that's why people don't like the film is because they think it's a cop-out to not show the aliens because we're all waiting for it. The whole oh, movie that, that, is that. building up to this contact moment. No, I want to make this clear. That is not my problem with this. I, I'm not saying that we should see the aliens. If anything, this is a movie that should leave it more up to mystery anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just too sentimental and mushy. It's just, and I know immediately he says, or she says, this isn't real. And he's like, yeah, we thought this would be easier to like take a form that you, you know, we read your mind. To just- that's, I mean, that's the whole point though. The whole point is that they're not there to, they're not there to make contact like she's hoping. They're there just to say you're not alone. There, There is something else out there and send her back. That, that's the whole point of the visit is for her to feel comfort from not being alone in the universe. And I think that's, that's what we're looking for. But I think that's unsatisfying. And, I, I you know, it's what we're looking for to a point, but that's a bit absolute. I, I don't necessarily think that's what everyone's looking for. Like, I think this movie in this story engineers the whole thing so that it's a directly comparable thing as to what she's looking for through her science to what religious people are looking for through their religion and when i get to that that hearing at the end and she's sitting there and she's like you know as a scientist i have to admit no i can't prove this and i would be just as skeptical if i was you like and i'm glad she said that because i was really worried she wasn't going to acknowledge any of that because she would be Mm -hmm. skeptical and she should be um and I'm kind of on their side, to be honest. Like, even though I saw it, right? I'm kind of on their side because I'm like, yeah, this does all sound like a, a bunch of nonsense. And well, there's no proof of it. Well, there's, there's one. There's one little segment. There is proof. one at the end, but like the there's one little. Tip, but from but... what everyone is shown and what everyone has seen, it's and heard and seen for themselves. I but, mean, it just went straight through. The yeah. big problem with this is not only is it to, to me anyway is not only is it so specifically created a scenario that's so one to one with the idea of like someone who feels that like they've been touched by God or has an experience like that, is that there's so many moments in this where like they'll bring up, you know, Ocam's razor or they'll bring up something else and she'll turn and look at Matthew McConaughey and it's like this moment where like the movie's like beating you over the head where she's realizing in this moment, she's, she's realizing that she's good. Like, yeah, but it, it's not this an, lesson. It's, okay. But it's, it's not an acceptance of well, they're also right. That's not it. It's just that some things require a leap of faith, and which is exactly what she has to take. I no, I, I can see that, but I'm, I'm not really complaining 
Uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. You're assuming that's what I thought. I'm, I'm not. I'm saying the moment's too cheesy and sentimental. And okay. I don't think... I, I don't think it works. It takes me out of the movie. Like, I'm seeing the movie's gears moving and trying to manipulate me into a feeling. And more importantly, it's trying to manipulate me into a feeling where I accept something that... If you asked me before this movie... Do I think the idea of believing in a god on some level is delusional, right? And I don't mean that sound harsh. If you if you religiously believe in God, I don't want you to make it sound like I'm, I'm making fun of you or anything like that. But on some level, I think it's just silly nonsense, right? That's just how I feel about it. And nothing in this movie, right? Because here's the thing. Her experience is little evidence as there may be for it, right? And I would be skeptical mm-hmm. too. Right, although the eighteen hours of static that was recorded that matches up with her time scale is interesting, certainly, um, is that her moment took trillions of dollars, the entire like multiple countries and civilizations on Earth coming together, united to build this thing from a message that came from space. It took all of that to give her this experience. So, in some level, all this effort went into. <laughs> there's a gargantuan build-up to this thing happening so mm-hmm. well i can talk to- well i would be skeptical and like you know what you had this weird drop through this big machine and you passed out like you could have just had some weird hallucination and that's the end of it totally could be that at the very least there was like this un- unsurmountable circumstance leading up to what this moment was what produced this moment for you um mm-hmm. Where's, like, what was, did Matthew McConaughey say specifically what caused his experience, his moment of, like, being touched by God? Did he specify that? I can't remember. Uh, I don't, I, I can't recall. Yeah, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it was smaller scale than, <laughs> you know, uh, Eleanor's thing, right? Her mm-hmm. whole big, uh, do you know do I, do I know what I, th- I think I fundamentally, like, the, the message of this movie, regardless of my feelings on, like specific religion and god uh it doesn't just connect with me and obviously i am you know making a lot of statements here about the the, the cheesiness and the sentimentality and all that, that i don't like but i think fundamentally it's not just that i don't believe in some of these things is that i don't necessarily think i care or want comfort by knowing that there's something else out there um uh, i believe the term is absurdist which is just like the, the the looking for meaning is pointless. It doesn't matter, uh, and that sounds really cynical. And it's not though. Like, a little bit. <laughs> no, and it's not though. Let me, let me make this clear. I'm not saying there's not value in life that we have. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that life has as much meaning as we give it. What we mm-hmm. do, what we choose to do, what we make of life, is what's important about it. And it's, it's the same philosophy I have with storytelling, right? You know, when a movie's good or a TV show is good, it, it it's good because we've, you know, someone orchestrated it and gave things that... Because they're all fictional characters. All of it didn't happen. All of it doesn't matter. Yeah, but, but SETI is a real thing. But you give it meaning. And? What's, what's your point? Do you think it's a waste of time? Well, no, because it's interesting. But I, I don't need the, I don't need it for... <laughs> like affirming existence i don't need it to know why we're here like it's cool because like space is cool aliens are cool and it's interesting to think about but i don't need it to know that we're not alone like 
Okay, but but you see why it's important to to Ellie because like in the in the when she's a kid, you know she's building a radio or sure, she's trying not... to to reach further and further. She asks her dad, "Can we talk to mom?" And he says, "There's no telescope or radioscope big enough to do that." So or antenna, I should say. But and then you know she's she's still searching. And, you know she she hates uh, her, her dad dies. She's alone. Matthew McConaughey calls it out. She leaves him and becomes alone again. She's focused on not. Like she's focused on reaching through science only to, to, to find out whether or not she's alone. So, I mean, this, it's important to her character throughout the whole thing. It doesn't have to represent more than that for it to be like important in the film. I know. I'm just trying to explain why philosophically I fundamentally kind of disagree with the, because cause the movie presents it in a way where no, this this represents all of humanity, and this represents you know, like like everyone cares about this. And at the end, we see that there's people who believe her story, and there's like people with signs, and like, oh, she's been touched by alien gods or something, and like, bless us, Ellie, right, or something, like, right, so yeah. It, it, it's meant to 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 mirror earlier when she was getting the opposite signs of, like, yeah. well, you know, the religion will reject this. And the the chaos that was happening on the way to like the the very large array telescopes. I think the other problem as well is there's, there's a lot of elements to like everything that Alien Dad says that feels very like just token. Like every time we we, we meet a like a nice enough alien, like a wise alien in a movie, it's always you humans are capable of really awful things, but also much love, which makes you interested. Like it's, it's it felt like a one on one. Of like what an yeah, alien like well, that's, say. that's the point though, right? Because this is the first step. He says this is the first step that humanity will take. Because you're not ready. You're not ready for more than that. And maybe you'll be ready when people believe your story, and people, you know, want to come back. But he said like this is not. She's like, well, you built this and brought us here. He's like, we didn't. We didn't build it. Like we were brought here also. The people who built this were very, weren't aren't around anymore. They're gone and. Like, we, we don't really know why other than just to let each other know that we're not alone out in space. So, like, it's... <laughs> I just... It just all sounds so sentimental. And a lot of these ideas I've seen done better in other things. You know, the idea of ancient technology from aliens that is used in other ways. Um, or, like... I don't know. It's all just a bit. You don't. You don't think there's something nice about having a universal question that's out there for everyone. Like even other aliens asked at one point, "Are we alone?" and searched to find the answer. (laughs) I mean, her question when she's asked in the committee, like, "What are you going to ask when you meet them?" She says, "I'm going to ask them how they got through." this age of technology without killing themselves yeah that's a much like, more, is, that, that's a much more interesting question but that's not what the movie gets at right because that's not the point of their visit i mean once she gets there she's not really there to to ask those kind of questions or he's not there to answer them i should say if he even is a he yeah i think I, a, he, this is just the answer to are we alone i think philosophically i just don't care what this movie's talking about right like there's a you lot make, you're disappointing carl sagan right now well no i like that's the thing i like a lot of what carl sagan talks about right 
but well this was a big deal to him not just like the book obviously but like he when the the is it the voyager 2 that's got like the whole this is what humans are this is where we live here's some of our music and like <laughs> that that's out there just yeah, in that, space that, just in case someone's there and they pick it up one day yeah and that's about reaching out but that that is not the same thing is like needing to have meaning like we're all we only have meaning if there's something else out there so that we're not alone i think it's a reminder that we are precious that you know you know that's the you know the big vastness of the universe can make us feel insignificant sometimes and it's just but this is a reminder that we are special and we are the strength in that though the strength that if we can do this on our own that that is uplifting in and of itself like i i just this movie places such a value on something uh that comes from this really mushy thing which by the way uh, the dad's death scene in the flashback is laughable, right? The slow motion of her running to get the pills in the bathroom. You don't like that it ends up being the reverse mirror the whole time? <laughs> I was that's fine, but it was just more like... She almost looks like she's running in place in slow motion, right? It had like this weird look. Maybe it's because it's, it's just through a reflection. That's why it looks kind of, you know, weird yeah. rather than normal. But it just looked really weird and goofy to me. Because <laughs> she's reflecting on her past. <sighs> That makes me roll my eyes. <laughs> you said that. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sat through your re- your reflection lecture in the movie. Uh, what was it? Unbreakable. <laughs> oh, the reflection stuff in that's amazing. Though. I... Okay, but not in this. And this is dumb. Uh, th- and this is cheesy Hollywood nonsense. I, 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 I think, like, even from the start, the whole like I want to talk to my dead mom just comes off to me as sentimental, right? She's like twelve. Well, I guess she's like nine years old. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not critiquing that a nine year old would say this. I'm critiquing as a as a movie as a whole. It's built upon this premise of wanting to talk to someone to know that they're out there. And I'm not saying that there's not a version of this story that could work better for me because I think there absolutely is. And there's definitely stories about getting signals from space that I think are vastly more interesting to me like i am far more interested in treating it like a mystery and like the you know like you know i loved vast the night for example right <laughs> which is a better movie than contact i'm just going to say it right oh now. my god you cannot be serious right now okay deathly- that's it <laughs> i am deathly serious <laughs> <laughs> oh god I, damn it i just <laughs> um I you know I think I think the two leads have decent enough chemistry, but I do think some of the dialogue is really forced, especially when they start debating their their philosophies. Um, you know, I just I don't know. I don't know what you want from really. I I, I I like the relationship. Like I like the the conflicts that they both have because of their beliefs, and that they want to be together, but like there are other things that are causing them to be apart. Um, you know, she's putting her career first and that's just the type of character she is. She's separating herself from any kind of attachment to something that will set her back. Even if that is like, um, like maybe she just doesn't believe that anything can work because he's a man of God. Like once, once she finds out about that, that changes the flirting, everything kind of stops at some point. And then she's like, well, It'll just be a fling, and then that'll be it, you know. But she does feel oh, an oh, attachment well, to him. To be fair, she finds out the whole man of God thing before the one night stand. I want to make that clear based on what you just said. 
Well, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that she's like, they're flirting and stuff. And then like someone calls him like a pastor or father or something like that. And, sh- and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> You're talking to me about science. And now I have to like deal with, uh, now I have to like try to still respect you. Mm. you know? I, honestly, I, I actually think the far more interesting story in this movie uh, that I get way more engaged in, other than just the, the cool mystery of what is the signal and all that, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, is actually her being looked down upon, being left out of meetings, like Tom Skerritt taking her glory, like the, you know, the, the, the more feminist struggle that, that she has in the film where mm-hmm. she's that constantly undermined. That is definitely undermined. the big thing in, the, in Carl Sagan's novelization, or, I mean, it's his book. Because cause to me, that, that felt more like a story that, I, I could understand and I don't know if I say relate to him. I'm not saying I, I relate to being in that position necessarily, but you're more, you're more sympathetic to them. Like, you know, I understand this and I, I, I felt like there was a clear story here being told where, no, she should be the one to go through. And like, there's, there's always this thing, like er, er, the first of a lot of things, like so many things in history, first man, the moon. Yeah. First man, the moon. Where's the first woman on the moon? Have we even had one yet? Nope. No, we haven't. Um, like, the first person to do something absolutely shouldn't could be her if she's the one who actually believed in all this and it, you know it's frustrating you know tom scary gets a little bit villainous when he starts taking credit and like sort of appointing himself as the leader of this investigation when it's like you wanted to shut her down she believed in this she she wanted to keep looking for for signals and she eventually found one um <laughs> she had to go fight for it too she had to go find funding on her own because he pulled out funding yeah and and because he i mean as soon as he shows up in like that that jurassic park jeep mm. <laughs> over at uh arecibo in puerto rico he's like i hate being here i miss my desk job this is a waste of time and um like right away you're like okay we hate this guy because he mm. doesn't have any kind of faith in what she's doing and yes i use that word on purpose <laughs> Yeah, I have no problem with faith. Like, I love, like, what's an example? Like, signs. Like, let's take signs, right? I know it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with fire here, going with M. Night Shyamalan. But signs, that whole movie's, like, main character. Uh, unfortunately, Mel Gibson is the one who's played him. But, like, that whole movie's main character is uh, this guy who used to be a priest and gave up because of something, you know, tragic happened to his wife. And by the end of the story he regains his faith and that story completely works for me as a character arc because it's not really necessarily about what he believes in specifically it's about believing in what he believed in again it's about him becoming himself again um and like i i can get totally on board with with stories of that i think for me just a lot of the comparisons and the parallels that it's trying to draw between science and religion in this movie i don't think i'll really get some of it i do so some of it, I, I get the the comparison, but the the way it so it tries to talk about science uh, being this like philosophical thing to everyone who cares about science or to everyone who looks at science to explain things, th- like I, I don't know, it, it doesn't track for me uh, in in a lot of ways. So um, in fact, one of the one of the characters that I you know I, you know I, I like seeing John Hart, but I kind of hated his character in this. He felt like this mm-hmm. weird Deus Ex Machina character who just came out of nowhere uh, just to kind of, like, fix the plot every time, like, she would be thrown away from it. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, well, we'll make sure you get your fund. Oh, no, we'll make sure. Come to my private play and I'll make sure you get access to this thing. And- but we, I mean, we, we, this is still, like, although this movie has some fantastical elements, this is still the real world where 
Some people have done really well with money and they tend to be quite eccentric. And if you want to get things done, like they're the ones that you have to ask money for. And like, it would make sense that it would be an eccentric billionaire. It'd be like, yeah, I'll go ahead and build it. Yeah. And if it made you know? more, if it made more of a statement about him and his wealth and his position in the world, maybe I could have gotten more into that. But as it is, he just felt like a quirky character who's there to solve all the movie's plot holes. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, uh, the most interesting thing anyone ever says about him in this whole movie is at the end when it's like, hey, what if this was a hoax? What if this was a him with his money just faking the signal from this, uh, you know, part of the galaxy and like someone's like, ah, maybe he's got the money. Maybe this is some, and you know, he's already died at that point in the movie. So it's like, oh, well, no, we can never ask him. We can never just like make him admit if he did something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. yeah, part of me was wondering if he was supposed to represent, like, the... I guess Eleanor kind of represents Carl Sagan. Like, she even at one point wears, like, when she's making the pitch, mm. she's wearing, like, his suit. Like, he wears the the light turtlenecks with the beige suits. <laughs> that was, like, his thing. And she's definitely wearing a Carl Sagan suit in that meeting. But part of me was also, like, because, you know, he dies at the end and Carl died during the production of this film. And he represents, like... Well, we we do hope to find out what's out there one day. We got to be listening, even if there's nothing. Like we we have to listen, and so like, um, I was wondering like maybe he was supposed to represent a little bit of of Carl's hopefulness and otherworldliness in a way. <laughs> I mean, he definitely wasn't that kind of, you know, he wasn't a billionaire. Yeah, and... he just like gave people inspiration, you know, through his Cosmos series and through all the TV. Um, appearances he did like he was just this this face of science and this particular field of science that gave people inspiration yeah um you know i i i enjoyed like the the listening to the radio signals i enjoyed like finally hearing something the race back to the the base to like try and catch it before it went away and uh, I love, like, pro- honestly, my favorite moment in the whole movie is when they realize there's a video image in the mm-hmm. signal, and they sort of, like, get it, and it's kind of, they have to, like, stretch it and put it in, because it's, it's, they're too zoomed in, so they have to, like, sort of, and you sort of gradually see a swap sticker appearing, and you, like, the, 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 w, the WTF at this moment is, like, really good. And I, love I love that, the, like, she, she called, she asked James Woods to send his, like, guards out, because they're, like, military guys holding, like, AKs or whatever they they have. And, like, at that moment, he just, like, calls them back in. <laughs> like, suddenly well, there's well, danger. You know, my favorite part, though, is the, the way he sort of first reacts, though. As soon as he realizes that it's uh, an image of Hitler, he just like, goes, mm-hmm. yeah, all right. <laughs> so the way he turns and just says, yeah, all right, okay, now we're doing it my way. <laughs> um, what I thought was weird, I mean, I, I guess they could easily disprove this, and that's why the movie doesn't do it, but I, I really thought, like, some of the cynics were going to say, well, clearly this is just, like, our own signal bouncing back as, then. Or some, you know, because it's like, it's totally from us. Like, this is from Earth. Uh, yeah. I, I did, but I did like the like. Oh no! The reason why this is the one that was sent back is this. Was, this was the first TV signal that was strong enough to actually leave Earth. Break that barrier. Yeah. yeah. What's what sounds? You know, t- time period. I'm sure they, they researched it, but it sounds about right. Yeah, know? Vega is like 26 light years or something. They said so. Like it would take yeah. 26 years for that, and then another 26 to come back, saying we heard you, and now we're sending. Yeah. The signal. With um. It. So, so that that like sort of mystery and what's in there, and the, the, the I, I, you know, I guess the actual raw science fiction of the message and where did it come from and the mystery of it is far more interesting to me 
then the more theological debate that, you know, comes up as the movie goes on. And because Matthew McConaughey's character kind of feels like he's just a conduit for that, as opposed to being like a full-fledged character on his own, um, you know, it, 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 it made him feel a little hollow to me as a character. I think that was maybe one of the other problems I had with him, is that it felt like he was there to like give these ideas, but not necessarily be all that interested on his own. I was sense? a little confused as to why McConaughey was always invited to everything, like was always in the room mm. with the president and all that stuff. But I guess he represented a group of people. But maybe he had a position in the White House that I just was not aware of or oh. on the science team. Speaking of characters I hate in this, Rob Lowe's character, who's like the... Ultra he's there for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's like the ultra conservative guy who's like, oh no, we shouldn't look into this because this is like a challenge to like Christian stuff. Yeah, he's the. It's like he's the, oh, the Fox News pundit. So, someone punch him, please. Someone punch him, like right now. <laughs> he's very punchable in this. He uh, looks the same though. And I'm not. I'm not saying that as a movie critique. I'm just. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> I, it, they succeeded in making me want to strangle him like instantly. Yeah, I think this is definitely like the one of the, the highlight of the film. Also, is uh, just decoding the signal like when she from when she gets the signal to when they're decoding everything and the mystery of what it means and what's in it and then also the scene where she travels i think that's also a highlight just you know the adventure of going on that journey yeah yeah um i think and it's not even like when i say I, I pr- i'd prefer a more cerebral version of this like I'm not saying, like, change the character arc. Like, the character arc being someone who's, like, obsessed and, like, stays alone because she feels alone and has to learn that she isn't. Like, I think that character arc is, like, you know, at, like, its raw value is perfectly fine. Um, I just, I don't know if I love the idea. Like, I, I like the idea of her learning to value. Like, what you know, I love, uh... Well, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I really remember liking Into the Woods, uh, the film that was based on the real guy who went exploring and he, he sort of went off the grid. Uh, you mean the Bill Bryson one? What? No. Uh, well, maybe that was a character's name. I can't remember. But, uh, oh, okay, okay. Amelia okay, Hirsch was the okay, yeah, character. Yeah. I know or the mean. actor, right? Uh, I, I think it was... Uh, what's the Bill name? Bryson one does have Nick Nolte yeah. in it. Sean Penn directed it. I was trying to think of like what yeah. I knew it was an actor who directed it. I was like, right. I haven't seen it, but I'm very familiar yeah. with it. And that that movie has this really like thing where you know by the end of the film, his arc is that you know, yeah, he went out to find happiness, but ultimately he realized that by the end that I mean I don't, I don't know if this was like I don't know how accurate to like the real events like the ending was. Yeah, it's a true story. So but, and yeah. But but in but in the movie there was like there's like sort of nice like sentiment at the end of like something he realized by the end and um I I think the idea of like going through this experience making her value the people around her and you know because if anything the more heartwarming relationship to me in this movie was her and uh, 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 Kent like she Kent yeah. like she was delighted that he showed up and because he he about like he, he like they went to go to the New Mexico satellites for a while. Uh, themselves and then after they, it skips four years and like the funding's drying up and the government want the time with the satellites back and he's like look we have to accept this is over just grow up early we're done but then when she finds something it's kind of heartwarming when he comes back and he wants to listen and you know he's a blind man and he's and, helpful yeah and yeah. he listens to so you can hear things a little bit better and he's helping her decode and it feels like a sort of genuine sweet relationship that felt much more heartwarming to me than anything she had with McConaughey and you can tell a story where she realizes to value 
the people around her and because she's so willing to like you know she might never come back this might be a one-way trip or at the very least if she does come back you know they, they explain the whole theory of relativity and this might mean she comes back and everyone she knows is dead or at the very least they're all on death's door they're all they're all going to be mm-hmm. elderly uh if not nothing else and she's willing to do it and obviously there's a lot of good reasons why she still may want to do it anyway but obviously it's part of her character flaw that she is maybe not valuing like her surroundings as much she's sort of making that decision a bit more rash that you know than other people might um and you can have that be like the the character arc that she learns to value those around her and like the experience does that to her but this movie kind of like tries to wrap it up in like sort of neat bow which is you know she she needs to be told by you know what effectively feels like a higher power <laughs> that she's not alone right that's what the aliens kind of represent and it feels a little too one-to-one with the god stuff and i think if this comparison to religion was a bit more subtle i might actually quite like it i might like a subtle version of this well, i mean we haven't talked about it yet but gary not gary busey jake busey in this i think represents how she sees religion throughout the beginning of the film and through most of the film until the end like when when she gets the signal and it's out there and everybody's like starting to 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 talk about it and build it and the opposition is the religion people are there to say that this is not from god um that you shouldn't like explore this and i think even the imagery of jake Busey kind of having like a jesus look but being very very white is on purpose also like he he is this like bastardized version of the american evangelicals who are like um are 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 taking religion and and weaponizing it literally in this film Mm. so i mean you haven't um we haven't really talked about it. I know you say you don't like him. I assume it's just because he's just so he's goofy. got that busy face. He's just so like every like she does. It happens a couple of times where she's driving past them. It's once at the like, when they're all picketing outside the satellites. It's once when she's going to the gala. But like there's just a couple of times where they'll drive past them and he'll just stare at her. And it's just this goofy, derpy Jake Busey face, like staring mm-hmm. at her. So when he turns out to be a terrorist who snuck in with like a like a suicide vest, it's like there's kind of like a moment like that's what he was building up like, like i don't know i just it caught me off guard okay well i mean he's very recognizable so when she sees him on the monitor it makes sense that oh, she would know hey that guy's not supposed to be there don't get me wrong i i accept that like i believe that she would remember his face <laughs> because he's jake busy yeah. you can't hide with a new haircut i believe she'd remember him I, i'm not critiquing that at all <laughs> right yeah um Oh, jeez. Uh, it, it's funny, because obviously we got so murky into the, the actual debate of the movie. You know, we've not kind of went through the plot in quite the same way. We mentioned talking about the decoding That's okay, things. I, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. We're, we went so, through the plot in the... So, <laughs> sort of in the non-spoiler section. So, well, some movies just like lend themselves to different types of discussion. Where some, Sometimes you want to talk about mechanics, you want to talk about specific moments and how the filmmaking achieves, like, certain things. And... um. I think with this one, it ultimately comes down to the debate that the two characters are kind of battling with and what her character arc is. Um, you know, because we, we can talk about the fact, okay, so the suicide bomb takes out the, the big device mm-hmm. and it explodes. And it's, it's kind of like a, uh, like a shuttle launch, but it obviously looks very different because it's this... It's like one of those... Uh, 
what do you call those like old things from the eighties that the spinning circles that you'd get? Like yeah. a, it's like a it's like a desk ornament. <laughs> so one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know the name for yeah. it. You know what I'm talking about though. Uh, yeah, um, it's actually it's a really cool design. Yeah. So that blows up, and it's like, oh no, everyone's. Uh, but then of course, the Ex Machina man, uh, John Hart, shows up, and he's like, don't worry, we're building another one in Japan. There's another <laughs> one. Yes, go out, and it's on the water. So we get to have like wacky like you know because the control center this time is going to be on a ship so like the ship's like moving yeah. towards it and been sucked in with like the the, the the gravitational pull and what's so weird about this is like the argument that this could have been a hoax i'm like you know this thing like even if you don't believe it's center somewhere through a wormhole and center back and you know the blink of an eye like if you don't believe that fair enough but this thing was doing insane things in terms of energy that no human technology has ever done. <laughs> so, like, if you're accusing this guy of, like, designing this, then you're saying he was doing some insane shit <laughs> that, mm-hmm. like, no one's ever, you know, gotten close to. Because it is, like, pulling the ship in. Like, the amount of energy, <laughs> the, the the effect it's having, the way it's... Sp- like, it functions. Like, yeah. if you're yeah, saying this... Yeah, like, a mile away from it, too. Yeah. If you're saying this is a hoax, you're saying that a human being was able to design this thing and like plant this mystery and okay fair enough let's go off and say but the argument that this is the simplest explanation i'm like maybe it's simpler than her getting sure. beamed across the universe well, but i, I think, don't know if it's simple <laughs> i think also i mean uh J- james wood's character represents like just the government in general yes. and like he has been opposed from the very beginning to this he like shows up saying like this is a threat everything about this is wrong we should like uh we we should like the humanity is not ready for war with aliens so i think even though like yeah he's saying well this could be just a hoax i think he needs it to be a hoax like he needs to believe it and he needs uh, the, the people to believe that it was a hoax so even if like he's like oh, yeah uh, even if it's a hoax, like it's a pretty amazing technology that was p- piece of technology that was built for this hoax. Like he doesn't care. the The point is that he needs the the he needs the the people of Earth to not take this seriously. And I think that's represented also by the fact that you know at the very end, Angela Bassett says, "Well, you know, there is eighteen hours of static that she recorded the whole time in that split second," and he goes. Hmm. That's interesting. But like when she, we see a flash forward of her like talking to kids about what's out there, it seems to be that nobody has gotten that fast. Oh, that's so top secret, they are yeah. like purposely, like they don't want this to be out there. No, they no, want people to think no, it's no, a you're hoax. right. He's got a motive in what he's saying. He's got all these reasons to say what he's saying. Like, you know, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right about like why he's saying these things, you know, beyond whatever his beliefs are. Um, like, you're right. Um, I, I think it's, it's it's this frustrating thing where you kind of like get to a point at the end of the movie where, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the point that it's trying to make, necessarily. Um, I really don't like the sappiness of like, you know, like McConaughey being there and looking at each other. And then when they go to the car at the end and he sort of gets asked by a, a reporter, like, you know, what, what do you think? Is it a matter of the cloth? Like, what do, what do you think? It's like, well, you know. We're both looking for the same things, and I, for one, believe her. And it's almost like you know he's he's extending the hand because she, you know she wouldn't believe him earlier on in the film, but now he's willing to believe her. Uh, yeah. Well, she takes his hand when he says it, and I think it's yeah. 
I don't think this is like her conversion to Christianity. Oh no no or no no no! I, no, I, 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 yeah, never, I, I never mean I to. Imp- I never mean to imply that. Like, I, I made okay. that clear. I never mean to imply sure, sure. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I do think that this is very much like they just understand each other, and like before she saw religion as the Gary Buseys out there with all the signs, and then when she <laughs> leaves, she sees all the people who believe her, who believe in the science. And are taking this faith, leave but faith for her and saying like, and, and they have all the signs now. And it's, it's just very much like, yeah, it's the same thing. You say that as if these people who are just assuming that all this is true, aren't also just kind of nut jobs for, for showing up with signs and saying, we believe you, the aliens <laughs> well, are coming. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't think it's like that. It's just like they're on her side, you know, like she, she is somebody who like, like said in front of the whole world that she doesn't believe in God. She doesn't believe in miracles, but yet she's experienced this thing. So she has this like credibility. So people who like want to believe that something else is out there have yeah. something, they have their Messiah. I have, to, I have two points here. I want to make on this. What one's in the movie and one's kind of an external thing, right? I want to make it clear that, uh, cause you, you said a couple of times that you know, she sees religious people as the Gary Busey or sorry, the Jake Busey's. The, yeah, I think world. she does in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um I wanna be clear that, that just because I, I don't like I, because I'm an atheist and because I, I think religion as an idea is silly, I don't view everyone who is religious as being extreme or as not being level headed members of society who are quite nice to be around or dare I say a pleasure to be around. Lots of nice religious people, right? Let me make that very clear. Um just don't talk to me about religion. <laughs> Leave it off the table. <laughs> um, but, but you know, perfectly reasonable people out there. Um, and I think... I just want to make that clear, based on that point. <laughs> just, just in case people thought I was thinking everyone was Jake Busey out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, the other point, though, which I have now forgotten, that it was more relevant to the movie, annoyingly. Um, oh, yes, that's what it was. Right. So earlier in the movie, when they're doing the candidates and picking who's going to be on, and Matthew McConaughey's found his way onto the judges panel of who's going to be picked to, to go on this mission. And Tom Skerritt's put his name in the running, uh, the sleaze ball that he is. And she's at this interview uh, where they're asking these questions, and they're about to wrap up, and Matthew McConaughey jumps in and goes, I, 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 I have one more question. <laughs> Do you believe in God? Right, it, it, it leads up to it a bit more, but that's ultimately what he asks. Do you believe in God? And, Are you a spiritual person? Yeah. He says, yeah. And she, but it becomes, do you believe in God? You know, they, they get more specific by the end of the, the scene. And she says, I don't see how this is relevant. And I think what kind of frustrates me a little bit uh, in a personal level about this, obviously it's very frustrating to watch if you're an atheist because you don't believe this should matter. But I think is that I never related more to her in this movie then when she says that, what the, the hell does that have to do with this? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the guys like, well, 95% of people believe in, you know, a higher being of some sort. So it's kind of relevant if you're representing humanity. Uh, and of course, my joking first thought is, yeah, let's, let's be a bunch of a laughing stock to the aliens and show up with like all these the stories of, of God and Jeebus. Um, but... That moment, right, and her frustration that she was honest, despite the fact of the consequences because, like, so many people are religious and saying that she doesn't believe in God and she's not going to lie and say she does, 
Um, and then Tom Skerritt, you know, we find out afterwards, like immediately says, oh yes, yeah. so, like he keeps dropping it and he's like, it's almost like he's watched her interview and went, oh no, I'm, I need to mention God, like as much as possible. Oh, I'm a, I'm a God-loving mm-hmm. man. And oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is important. Like our faith has to be talked about in an important part of who we are. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this manipulation and that's what loses her the, the job, right? Um, is that that moment is so relatable and I want, to, at least for me anyway, that she is so frustrated that they even like see this as a factor. That when she goes through her change and her experience, I don't think I go through it with her. <laughs> so at the end, when she do- does have this challenge presented to her of like not having this thing that she can say and saying, no, I can't withdraw my statement because I felt it, I experienced it, I went through it. Um, like t- To me, the more interesting thing is the, the Star Trek Next Generation ending to this almost was her saying, I accept that you can't believe me. I know you can't. Like, I wouldn't believe me either. But I'm going to keep studying this. I'm going to keep going down this path. But I have to accept that you're not going to believe me. Right? That, to me, was the the truer ending of this. Because she is a scientist and because of the way she does think. But it kind of went for more, oh, now she understands Matthew McConaughey's, like, you know, views a bit better. Like, she understands his beliefs in a way. Um... And I, I think that disconnect where I've really related to her at one point in the story, and then by the and I mean maybe it's because of the the falsehood of the over sentimentality of the dead dad talking to her and it all being ah you're not alone in the universe and and so on. But um, it falls a bit flat for me. I, ultimately, what I'm saying is, is it falls a bit flat. I love that scene when she's there and they they ask that question. It's a well-directed scene and a well-performed scene, for sure. Immediately, she gets emotional because she knows she's lost. As soon as they ask that question, she knows that she's lost because it is important to people. And we know it is because we would, I I mean, maybe it'll change, but every presidential candidate has to talk about God or they won't get elected. They, They can't because the president is supposed to represent the country and if they come out and say they're atheist people won't elect him it's the same here this is what that represents i mean this is still very much an american is going on behalf of earth because it's an american film so this is still very much the problems of america and of humanity right now and she was right like she's she was truthful up there and someone else lied and they got the position and it was a man, someone that people look to and immediately trust, even though they're lying to them. She should have just lied. I, I think her response to this should have been, like, do you believe in God? Like, oh, yeah, she yeah, danced yeah. around it. She uh, didn't even really say it. She said, oh, I believe I've already answered that question. Let me finish my joke. God damn it. I wanted to make a joke. I didn't know you were making <laughs> a joke. And you jumped in with a serious, like, just... <laughs> oh, sorry, the moment's passed. I was going to make a whole joke where she's like, yeah, I love Big G. You know, me and Big G were tight. Like, you know, just like do a whole joke bit where she's lying about Hilarious. caring about God. Well, it would have been funny, all right? <laughs> but you jumped in with, like, I'm trying to debate something, and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring the tone here back to a, a, a nice, pleasant, jovial podcast again. I love this movie. It's okay. <laughs> I, I I honestly like I think every scene is 
and every line of dialogue matters. I think every scene is so well crafted. <laughs> I, I, I think the visuals are amazing. Like the scene where she's walking into the, the pod, essentially, it's like she's walking a plank. Like it, it's it's so representative of her of her dying. And like she's even like got these this imagery of like the two people walking behind her and they stop. So like she has to walk the plank alone. And then she gets strapped into a chair and plugged in. It looks like an electric chair. And like she's and then it seals off like the door closed, like this giant vault door closes and then it seals off. You can see it like there's some sort of alien technology that's causing it to be seamless. And that is so there's no door anymore. And it feels very much like a tomb. I think that whole scene is so beautifully done. Um, When you see like the the big rings move beneath her, it's like she's she's falling into like this this monster almost like they look like tentacles it's uh and then like yeah she goes through you know she sees the white light and i i think like i think this movie's so special <laughs> like i love this film and obviously it's a very personal film and i've been here defending it a lot but i i think this is one of my best reviews because i have a lot to say about it and i think I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I know I, I know I stand alone on this mountain and you are not alone on yours. Like, there's a lot of people who side with you. But I really, truly love every decision made in this film. If you feel I have impaired your your critique and analysis and raving, then feel <laughs> free to take more time. Because I, like, by all means, go for it. I, I just think it's over-sentimental. I think philosophically, it's a bit too preachy. Um, and a bit too hammy for for me to really ever truly, and it's not that you can have a little bit of sentiment, right? And because you know the whole being humbled by the the size of the universe and kind of realizing how small you are, I don't think that necessarily necessarily has to equate to a religious experience. I think I think that's the default comparison to make, and I don't necessarily think it is like the the one that everyone feels or that characters or people who look to science versus religion look at it as as, as this like divine thing it's no but it it provides answers whereas some people get it from another source well i don't think it says it's always about answers though necessarily it's about having solutions to things it's about having better ways of doing things i necessarily think it's about answers all the time yeah, well, okay, but like science provides some sort of comfort that there is structure in the universe. You know, we like patterns, we like things that make that 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 make sense and I think that science and particularly astronomy can like provide a lot of comfort for people who don't have things like religion. I don't think everyone who doesn't have religion needs comfort. Like this is this is the false part that I just I just I I can't agree with. I don't think everyone needs that. You don't think it's there subconsciously for you? No. <laughs> I I don't know, Peter. I think you might be an outlier. What life life? We don't need an answer. We don't need a purpose. We well, just I don't think we need yeah, I don't think we need that either, but I think there is some sort of comfort that comes from knowing that, you know, the world makes sense. The universe makes sense. We have some sort of... It doesn't like, make sense, do, though. 
(laughs) (laughs) I mean, like just studying things on a molecular scale so we can explain why something has happened like scientifically rather than like, well, what was that big ball of, you know, of fire in the sky and people would say oh it's a it's a weather balloon or it's a it's it's a, it's a small meteor that has come but like it's like it, it's we, we don't have to say oh no it's um apollo shooting an arrow of fire across the sky or <laughs> whatever god sent an angel into heaven to hell so it's burning its wings well, off I, along I, the way i, I would rather know, I don't know. <laughs> no i would rather know what it is this is like this is like a weird like way of looking at this to me i it's not about comfort is like we understand things better so we can use everything better so we can make more of what we do have like i i I don't i don't necessarily think that understanding uh how the universe works or what other planets are or like you know what stars are and distant galaxies i don't think that's i'm I'm using that as an example but i don't think that's is limited at that i'm just saying like the overall like study of science is comforting. I mean, I, I'm comforted by when I go to a doctor and they're not throwing leeches on me or telling me that the reason I have like a <laughs> no, pain uh, in my stomach is because there's an invisible toad living in there. I, no, I'm comforted <laughs> by that, but that's like that doesn't mean like this is. A, I just think this is a weird lens to look look at it through. It's not about being comforted. It's it's it's, it's practical. It's got a use. It's got a purpose. Life is better because we understand things. I, I mean, that's like... also true. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, comfort is just a really weird word to use to me, uh, to describe. Well, I mean, in the context of how science is being used in this film versus religion. Yeah. Which, which I, I guess that's the, the problem, is that this is almost like science viewed through the lens of what religion means to a religious person. I don't necessarily think that science does mean that to someone who isn't religious. Like it, it, it's it's there. Science is just like language or math. This, this neutral thing, yeah. It, it you know it's it's something that makes sense that has functions. It has numbers. It's something that can be understood and used by us to to do things to save people to right whatever. But you do realize that there is there's long history especially in America of like science being op- opposed to religion and religion like declaring wars over it. Like e- many wars, like civil wars. Not, well, yeah, well, that's, yeah, the wrong, but... that's the wrong word. Uh, like um, civil discrepancies. Yes, but are, <laughs> are the scientists declaring war on religion? I would say no, but like definitely religion Which is, is the point. opposing it, it, science. <laughs> yeah, but that's the point. The religious side are the ones who are like, oh no, you're challenging our thoughts and beliefs that give us comfort, so we are going to battle against us. Or, and let me just get a little bit cynical here for a second. I say, you know, our thoughts and beliefs that give us comfort. And a lot of cases it's, a, no, it's our thoughts and beliefs that give us power because we can abuse it because we've built some structure around it. Um, well, yeah, I, I think so, that's always going to be there, but they're also like the majority so wherever there's going to be the majority they have the power um i mean this is a philosophical debate but this is my i think this is partially my problem is i don't necessarily think that this should be a philosophical question <laughs> um um but i don't know like whatever well, I, I mean i i think that you know we have a unique perspective and we atheists. identify 
because we're two atheists. Yeah. And I think when this movie was released to the masses, like this is a much easier way to approach it. But like, I don't think that, uh, like obviously as an atheist, it's easy to just dismiss religion, which I do. Like, I don't believe in God and I don't, I, I do think religions are, are dangerous. Like a, a lot of the time, except for maybe Buddhism. I don't yeah. think Buddhism is dangerous. No, I, I agree. But... I agree. Religion <laughs> as, I and, can and it be has dangerous. been abused. It has been used for, for power. Like you said, to be the, the cynical side. Um, but uh, I I still think that it's a nice message and it's a message of unity um, and of understanding that is the world we live in. What, like, you mean like a much like better Eleanor... oh, you mean like a much better film like Arrival, perhaps? Well, I think that I think Arrival <laughs> takes a lot from Contact for sure, and I think that um, Eleanor at the end of the film has not been converted to religion because she's had this this experience that is very much like a religious experience. She's just more understanding. And I think also her boyfriend is more understanding of her. Like they've been opposed, butting heads and other things throughout the film. And at this moment, they understand each other and I, they can live in unity because they have this, this shared thing. Oh, it I falls think it's flat. pretty nice. It falls flat for me. <laughs> like, that's basically all. I, like ultimately, like I've, we've done a lot of waffling about, and we've done a lot of talking about our thoughts and feelings, and and like you said earlier, I don't like using the word beliefs. I, I don't necessarily think what I think is a belief. I just think it is what it is. <laughs> well, know? yeah, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, but I, any scientist will say that you know there's always room for change. Oh, for sure. I mean, science ultimately is like once you think you've got something, you spend all of your time prove try to prove it wrong because that's that's what makes it true. Is you prove it? Well, you, yeah, and then you, you know, know, new things come in, and we got to scrap it and start over. You know, um, you know, uh, like you know, some people say, "Oh, it's funny how this keeps changing." You know, like, well, that's how science works. Is that's that the beauty of it? Yeah, yeah. People keep examining, people keep digging deeper, and we keep understanding better and better. It's, it's just how it works, um, and it's methodical and it, you know that's what it is I, it's comforting no <laughs> i don't think science not, not not like that not on like a spiritual level where i'm happy i'm not alone <laughs> it's comforting in that oh we understand things better so we 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 now have like say a vaccine for a <laughs> for a pandemic that's comforting <laughs> Like, that's a comforting thing, but it's not comforting it on a be, spiritual right? level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to use a generic, just like, oh, we've got a cure for a disease. I thought, oh, no, wait, we've actually got, I've got a really good example <laughs> as it happens. There's like something going on that I can directly compare. But, you know, like, yes, there's comfort sort of in the end results of a lot of science, for sure. Like, oh, it's comforting that we can take a plane to the other side of the planet instead of having to swim. Like that's comforting. <laughs> that's practical. It's handy. It's useful. It connects the world. A lot world. of pollution, though. Yes, the, and there's drawbacks. And then ultimately, we hope for better solutions that have less drawbacks, and we try and get you know, like evolving. There's always evolving, and there's the exception of evolving. And do you know what the funny thing about religion is? Is there's that like it has to evolve, but it's very resistant to evolving. <laughs> um, it eventually does, though. Uh, it eventually has to because enough science gets in the way and it has they to evolve. They gotta move the goalpost, yeah. The, goal, the goalposts have got to move. Uh, and 
Look, I, I, I don't worry. Like, if religion brings you comfort, if you need that in your life, if it's a coping mechanism, whatever. Um, I, like, I am not perfect. I have a lot of weird thought processes. But if there's one thing that is true about me is that I just don't think about things that way. I never have. Uh, I don't well, need, I guess that's what makes me perfect. Is I don't need some comfort from beyond <laughs> or some idea that we're more important than what we are. Uh, you know, we're as important as we make ourselves. And and for, for the record, like, I, I do believe that it is important to, to keep looking uh, for for alien life and examining more planets. If nothing else, like, you know, materials, minerals, things like that that we might get from other planets could be very important for certain things in the future. One day we may have to evacuate to Mars. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, like, Yeah, but there's no know. air there. <laughs> Terraforming, baby. Terraforming. Uh, so, you know, like... There's all, Give these people the air. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there's a lot of, like, practical reasons for doing it, but... Kind of like Eleanor says in the movie that I agree with, like, like I, I'm all for faith in certain things. I don't talk when I talk about faith. Usually, it tends to be less about, uh, you know, a theology thing and more faith in a person. I, I, lo- I love like any story where a character believes in another character and then is rewarded for believing in that character. That is so uplifting to me because, like, I think enough people in real life let you down and you want to believe in people and you're and. Like, the fantasy of a lot of good storytelling is, like, no, sometimes someone will pull through and be the person you need them to be or believe them to be. And that, you know, so, like, the word faith for me is not, like, faith is a great thing. Like, faith is a story mechanic. Faith is, like, something to be rewarded in people. And, mm-hmm. like, I- ideology is, is a great, great thing. Um, uh, I don't know where I was going with the previous point. I've forgotten now because I went on a t- <laughs> tangent about yeah, faith. Yeah, well, it just re- it re- it reminded me of something. Go ahead, though, if you're not finished. Uh, well, I wasn't, but I'd forgotten what I was going to go with it. So you, you feel free, jump in. Well, it just reminded me of the scene of when she comes back, and uh, and like the next time we see her after, like she's like, "What happened? How long was I gone?" Oh, I is she's basically but, uh, like in a straight jacket? I don't know if she's in a straight jacket or if it's just like the imagery of a straight jacket, so it's meant to look like it. She's got like no makeup. Her her hair's all frizzy. I, I, she's got I, like bandages i think people just... are talking about her being hysterical and having episodes like mm. they use the word it's just like i think episode. she's just in quarantine she's just in like a scrub i don't think it's a straight jacket but yeah i don't think so either but like the way it's shot it looks like she's in a straight jacket like it's... she's she's filmed to look like she's crazy that people this is how people yeah. see the, her the point i was getting at i never got to the line uh is that she says in the film uh sense of adventure and i actually think i agree more with that sentimentality that yeah, that's probably why we should keep looking for aliens because it's kind of fun. Like, and like exploring is good, and it does lead to a lot of scientific advancements because we find stuff and we, we learn more about things. But like, yeah, part part of it is just kind of fun. Like, we might find some goddamn aliens. That's kind of cool. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Being, being uh, I do off- I do think like from my re- I I did spend a lot of time like going down the rabbit hole of like Carl Sagan's works and stuff when I was younger and very, very into astronomy. And like he, I do think that this was his most important question though, was just, are we alone? He, like he really truly believed that that was the most important question in the, like in the universe. Hmm. Um, I mean, we're definitely not. <laughs> I don't know. Waste of space, right? That, that was like a crazy person, but I, I, the, 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 if there's one sentiment in this movie that I completely agree with, 
is that in all of the galaxies, all of the planets in those galaxies, and the just the size of space, the size of the universe, the idea that there's not at least like some worms or something <laughs> on at least one planet somewhere is ridiculous. Like there has to look, there's too much, sure. too much of it. Yeah. There has to well, be. I mean, I think that's I, that's the idea is that like it's happened once before, so there's a hundred percent chance that it can happen again. And there's so many chances out there because there's so many planets, billions and billions and billions. Yeah, yeah. But yes, so, it's likely we are not alone. Yes, uh, and they, they do overuse that line a little bit. It'd be, uh, you know, it'd be a waste of space if there wasn't any. It's a good line. She almost winks at the camera. Uh, maybe she does. Maybe it's when she talks to the kid at the end because she says it again, and maybe it feels well, like she her could father wink. said it to her when she was a kid. Yeah. So and she like, had the same question. Pa- passing this on, kind of thing. Um yeah dial back the sentimentality that's that's all you know that's all i'm saying who hurt you (laughs) (laughs) like i I think sometimes when i when i speak about certain subjects people probably think i'm like this cynical but i'm actually really heartwarming in other ways i just like there's certain like like tropes of the way people are supposed to react to certain things that i just think are weird and i'm like i don't get why this is what people latch on to when, to me, what's more meaningful or more heartfelt is, you know, this other way of doing something. Um, to, to, to me, like, you know, I, I lean more cerebral, but there are definitely stories that lend themselves to a sentimental tone, for sure. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't know if this uh, was ever going to quite work for me with the tone that it was going for. I think maybe that's fundamentally where it just doesn't click with me um as far as like critiquing it like if i try to be objective and just sort of look at it for for what it is i would say that two and a half hours is probably a bit too long probably tightened but you up said a you didn't bit. feel it uh i said it was an I easy think, watch i think two and a half hours is exactly the length it needs to be because nothing feels slow nothing feels dragged like everything okay. is, is is there for a reason i think I, it, it's the length of the film it needs to be and it does feel epic so it can have I, a longer run time I, I do think john hart feels like a weird deus ex machina character uh i think he sticks out in that way i do think it's overly sentimental and cheesy at points with its slow motion or it's like you know it leans in heavy with the piano sentimental sentimental music and like there's moments where i just felt like it was it was overplaying its hand uh and maybe that's partially a taste thing but i do think like you know stepping away from my own like like bias or the the themes of the film and the philosophy of the film and what it's trying to say where i do have some like flashes like if i if i remove myself from that there are some things that i will critique uh throughout but it's definitely the the, the biggest problem obviously is just how much i clash with what it's going for because ultimately at the end i'm kind of like i don't think i agree with the point ultimately that you've made (laughs) in this film and it's very rare that i find myself feeling that way about like a movie because normally i can like just be like okay this is what the character feels this is what the you know i I don't have to be the character doesn't have to be like me for me to empathize with the character um but i think part of the trick of great storytelling and great filmmaking is when you can have a character who is so different from you and somehow the the storytelling makes them super relatable or at the very least you understand exactly why they think the way they think and why they're going to have the tragedy when they make the wrong choice, or why they're going to feel the way they do, when you can see their their decisions coming 
or the poor movie decisions. Joker. Yeah, that's not a good example. It's a bad movie. Um, uh, but Taxi Driver, which is the movie that that's kind of ripping off, much better example. Um, so I think for me that I never felt that in this because it kind of went to like the shortcut of sentimentality through that very very 90s hollywood like uplifting piano music kind of feeling it never quite clicked so i never really felt like i i, I kind of get into her head and i never felt the journey but it, no it sounds like you did though it sounds like you really connected with the character and you know at face value you've got a few more things to relate to you know right away but then on top of that uh you know, you, you liked where it went with her story. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is just partly down to, like, the age you saw it at. Maybe it was just, you know, it hit you at an influential age and, like, whereas I didn't see it till I was a bit older, a bit more cynical, <laughs> a bit more jaded. But there's definitely a time and place for giving up the cinema cynicism, by all means. There's times when I think that's very powerful. I just think that this was never, I guess, cynical enough to begin with. Like, like right away, it's got that cheesy kind of Hollywood tone to it. I think that that Eleanor's character is cynical. From like, there's some cynicism there. Oh, she, it, it she takes, is, yeah, yeah, and and a lot of it is just with uh, the people who are holding her back. Like, um, I mean, a lot of it comes from Tom Skerritt, and it's well deserved. And like, there's even a line that I really love after he's. They've like they've met and they've shook hands and they said, you know, the good luck to you on your journey, basically. And he said, I'm sorry. I know this isn't fair that it should be you. But like the world isn't fair and you have to like people are going to take advantage of it and you're just going to have to to deal with it if you want to live in this world. And she's like, well, that's funny. I always thought the world was what we make of it. Like it's it's the people who choose to take advantage of others and to to lie and to cheat who are, who are making the world a bad a bad place which is what i found more connecting i felt more connected to that idea because that's what i said earlier is that her struggle mm-hmm. and her, her her line there is the world's what we make of it it kind of goes into exactly what i was kind of saying about like how i think of people and mm-hmm. theology like you know it's just more about us <laughs> and like what we choose um so i it's uh like she is cynical and obviously there's other characters who are cynical about what she wants um but the movie itself never feels like it's like going to try and like break out into like like it's, it's it has that heartwarming kind of feeling to it right from the get-go and i don't know i think the movie has a lot of cynicism in it well i and didn't feel it, it. Like, i mean you, you can tell me it's there and the characters are technically cynical but the movie's tone to me never felt cynical even with all like the religion, like the, the the radical religion parts of it too. No, or like I, the James it, Woods character and. If it, no, because he felt too like much like a movie villain to me, you know, and maybe partly it's because it's James Woods. He's, you know, James Woods is James Woods, but uh, like it always felt like a movie. I always felt like I was watching a movie with like where the hero's going to ultimately get to do the thing, you know. It's going to have a heart... Like, I knew this was going to like have a heartwarming ending. And partly because I'd seen it before. But, like, I think it feels like a movie that's going to have a heartwarming ending. But, you know, it just it has that feeling right from the get-go. 
It right. feels, I mean, I, I think it earns. I think it earns oh, its heartwarming. I, actually, this, uh, to it. Here, but, here's a perfect um, way of putting it. Right from the start, it feels comforting, and it yes, always has a comforting You're watching tone. her as a child with her father <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> her father, who is this great guy who like loves his daughter, and is showing her the world and the and the universe and uh, the excitement of what could be out there. Like it's meant to feel comforting. But it always feels comforting, though. Like it's comforting. You know, she's meeting her their friend. Well, when she gets she's to be an adult, and, and then to, and and Tom Skerritt is like pulling the plug on things, and she's constantly have to fight for herself, and 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 be loud and be heard, and she's still ignored and put in like another room while all the men are talking, and then like James Woods is there, and he's cynical the whole time, and then the. <laughs> evangelicals show up and they're but, cynical the whole time. They, they're but, telling you this yeah, movie, no, yes, hey, it, let me finish. Oh. <laughs> like this movie is telling you that there is a lot of cynicism in this world and she is going to break through it. But like she doubts herself. She doubts the world. Like as soon as they tell her, like, do you believe in God? She knows that she is done. Like that's it for her. And that's a cynical move for the film. All right, go ahead. Yeah, but the movie itself never felt cynical. Like, I always felt like she was going to break through. It always felt like our character was going to win, ultimately. Like, it always had that heartwarming kind of feeling to it. Um, I think the march of death uh, to her uh, tomb uh, was uh, was not so motivating. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, uh, what's funny is that I actually think Jodie Foster herself was in a better movie that dealt with being a woman in a man's world. And Silence of the Lambs is... Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go with a different film. No, 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 no. Silence of the Lambs <laughs> is such... Like, right from the start, that movie makes it clear that she is at a disadvantage. And that she is being almost used as a tool because she is, like, a young female agent. Well, we're, going to, we're going to send in her because it may excite the serial killer to, like, open up or something. And... It is this thing where she's constantly having to... Well, you're making a face, so you don't, you don't agree with this? No, I'm, I'm thinking no. about it. Uh, you know, because right away, like, there's a great visual at the start of that movie where she gets in the elevator and she's like a foot shorter than everyone else in the elevator because they're all mm-hmm. tall men and she's like just this little Jodie Foster with her, you know, her suit jacket on. She's like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm an agent too. And, you know, they, they ask her if she doesn't want to be a part of the autopsy. She has to wait outside. Again, we actually have waiting outside while the men speak scenes in that movie as well you know like, and i know it's weird to compare the two and it's like other than jodie foster but they do actually have this in common they have this theme mm-hmm. of this this young woman who is having to like prove herself in a, a profession that has been so male dominated and they don't want to take her seriously but ultimately she is going to be the one who to solves the case and the weird thing about that movie is that she finds almost this encouragement in hannibal lecter of all characters this character who is not a good character who is manipulative, who is malicious. But there's almost more power in some of like his encouragement actually being kind of true and genuine because it comes from this weird, like, dark place. And I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is is that this is almost so straightforward in its intentions that it's less interesting to me than a silence of the lambs <laughs> because she 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 finds her strength in a much darker world, in a much darker place, in a much more foreboding world. Um, and I'm not saying this had to be like intense and like dark and put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> like I'm not saying that. <laughs> Although, hey, if Buffalo Bill was the alien at the end, like it would get a point. 
No. So what are you going to rate it then? I was just I was just a joke at the end. I was trying to crack a joke. I was trying to lay in the mood. Tara's no sell on it. Okay. Uh, are you mad? Are you mad that I don't love it? Is that what this is? No. Uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand that people don't like this movie. Um, uh, I'm a little like... I I know what you mean by the Hollywood the the Hollywood feeling of the film, but I do think it's appropriate for this movie. Like n- nothing to nothing about the 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 feeling or the the piano music feels like it's taking me out of the story it wants to tell. You know, I, so mm-hmm. I, I just I'm not there with you. That's okay. Somehow we survived. Having disagreements on movies. If, if, if Matthew McConaughey and Jodie Foster and this can coexist, then uh, I'm sure we can. Not like in contact. Or... Yeah, I guess we can keep podcasting together. <sighs> Come on, I like all the important movies that you like. I mean, did I not open with this being one of the most important movies to me in my childhood? Yeah, but Predator is also important to you. Oh yeah, that's a good. One. Yeah, Matrix is important to you. Um, you know, there's, there's been numerous, numerous films of which we have heavily <laughs> agreed. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I I <laughs> I think that I have a retort for your criticisms as to why I think this movie is very special, which is why I'm going to give it a ten. Ten. Yeah. I mean, I love it. Honestly, like I watched this movie again and I got emotional watching it. Like this movie is very important to me and it is like, I, I just, it's, it's so, it's so nice to have the hero's journey for a female, not feel like it's, she's special because there's some sort of ability she has. She's just, she just works hard and she's, um, I don't know. I, I, I love Eleanor. I think she's a, one of the best female characters ever put on a film. And I, I really do love this film. Like I, I think all the metaphors work for me. I think all the, the journey works for me. Um, I think all the imagery is beautiful and, um, you know, you know what? I'm, and, I'm, and it's important to me. I'm glad you do. I this was a far more interesting conversation because you feel so passionate about this. I don't understand it necessarily like I, I get i guess part of it I, I get the relation to the character and whatnot but um like so much of this like i you know i got to the end and i'm like does tara still love this because like i'm i'm feeling a lot very iffy on a lot of what this movie's trying to say to me and a lot of it is not connecting and i know people like i, I can already see some comments saying oh you're just like you know you've been with this bias which i admitted at the start let me make that clear but you went with this bias and you didn't let it like you ever let go of it and i'm like yeah but there's tons of good movies that have religious themes that i love that 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 make it work for me because they find a way to make the character's journey or make the the core point of the story work and it doesn't matter that i'm different to the character like so so many of the best stories have characters that i i would never relate to or in some cases even like (laughs) like you know some people some main characters are awful. Uh, some main characters are so different. Um, 
and I, I, I think, and obviously the problem here isn't the main character. Like I keep saying that as if it is. It's not. It's, it's, it's more the ideas and the other characters around her who are there to kind of like discuss those ideas. But um, I, I don't think this for me ever like got across that bridge. And I think there's a lot of other tonal things and a lot of other things that just kind of kept me from ever really getting super engaged with it and I, I think you know i like some of the actual you know the, the the actual hearing the messages what is the message let's figure this out like that sort of like raw like sci-fi mystery stuff like when it's there is is cool uh but to me that's almost why i, I wish it was just more ambiguous about like you know i guess it kind of is ambiguous but like you know i could have done without a scene of like talking to dead dad like i i would have much preferred something a bit more uh cryptic or something you know um, something where we have to take meaning from it on our own or, so, you know, whatever. Um, I don't see how that isn't what's happening in that scene. It can still technically be what's happening, but it doesn't mean I enjoy the way it's playing out or that I'm still sitting through a character talking to what looks like her dead dad. Like, I'm still getting the piano music playing as she's, like, crying and she's looking at him and, uh, like... Like these things matter. These things just because if, even if you can sort of technically say X, Y, and Z happened, how they happened, the way they're portrayed, like all, all of the other details do matter. Like the, the way it happens matters. Like all, all of that matters. All of that creates a feeling. So even though technically you can argue it's doing what I'm saying I want from it, it doesn't mean I feel it when I'm watching it. You know, it has to actually elicit those feelings. And I don't think this movie does. I, I think. Uh, it, it feels very of its time. It feels very, uh, you know, of, of mm-hmm. that mid nineties, uh, time period, and it's just you know th- th- this feels. And this is not to say that I don't like this film because I've not seen it in a long time and I can't remember. Like I don't know how it's going to work for me now, but it feels like this and like very different plot. But it feels like this and something like Bicentennial Man and uh. You know, some other more heartwarming sci-fi movies of the 90s and to the start of the 2000s. Like, there's definitely, like, a sort of, like, sub-genre almost of, like, a feeling in there <laughs> that you can kind of group together. I mean, I definitely felt the Forrest Gump influence in this one. Oh, sure. I mean, that's Zemeckis, though, so that yeah makes sense. And not just, like, the superimposed James Woods behind, you know, President Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah. Um... But, like, when it comes to science fiction from 1997, there's other good examples for me that I, I, I'm looking forward to reviewing at some point. So. Are you writing it? I'm saying that I really want to talk about Gak at some point. It's a much better film. Uh, <laughs> I think that was 97 anyway. Uh, but yes, I love what, Gattaca, yeah. Uh, what, what am I writing it, though? Yes, I'll put Tara. This is two hours, my God. We've waffled on. Uh... I will. This is hard to to rate this one. Um, Whatever your rating is, I won't react. <laughs> it's not. It's not just that. Like I actually do just on, on, like ignoring you. I actually do think it's a hard film to rate because it is kind of in this weird place where I like some of the ideas. I think some of the performances. You know, Jodie Foster is good in the movie. Like, there's not She's a problem great, yeah. with her uh, in her performance. Um, I do think some of the dialogue that's given to her, but 
may, maybe more, it's more so the McConaughey character in some of the conversations they have where like to to give us a lot of the ideas the movie wants to get across it really has to just have them talk about it really bluntly uh and some of those you know and there's, there's one there's a really bad uh effect shot early on where it's, it's when they're at the i think it's when they're at the the the, the party and they've been off to talk and like the i think like the satellite or something's in the background and you can really tell they're on like a, a stage with a backdrop that's just you know they've superimposed it or it's like a, a map painting or something and it just it feels like and everything about it feels really oldie hollywood uh in that moment because they're just talking about these ideas like really blatantly uh rather than it feeling like a natural discussion to me um and i never really quite got away from that sheen uh so i'm sorry but i'm giving it a six okay okay we can we can uh we can we can wrap up what's coming up next week uh so, somehow you got to pick the next thing even though contacts like one of your like important the patrons special picked movies. it not me technically that's true and that's... you put it on the you put it on the selection not me i did but i, I did it because i knew you liked it <laughs> i was being nice <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I may I, have mentioned it a few times in these reviews. Yeah, if I'd known how much I was going to be like, eh, oh, I, I, I may have avoided it to put off the pain. <laughs> Not the pain of watchers, more more the pain of the the debate. Hopefully, I hope this was actually a decent enough thing to listen to. I'm a little worried this was just kind of a back and forth on the main theme and like not a lot of like the usual, you know, talking about this moment and the the weirdness of that little moment or like you know i feel like some of our usual talk we didn't do don't you dare edit this i'm not gonna edit it okay <laughs> well i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna edit any of it i mean maybe if there's a kind of no, that's reason. what i mean don't edit it but yes from beyond's coming next time on the show and uh, we can announce as well actually right now that uh december because you don't really get christmas sci-fi so there's no point in trying uh, December is going to be our third, not annual, because they're, they're kind of wheeling. We had two close together in like, the first year, and uh, it's been a while. But we're going to do 70s month once again. Uh, and we're going to tackle some of the, the bigger 70s movies we've got left. And uh, so the Patreon vote for next month will be a 70s vote. We'll pick out a few 70s movies. And the bonus movie uh, next month as well will also be 70s. And the plan is to do an extra special episode sometime around New Year's where we'll do a top 25 70s list each. And that'll be fun. So 25. Wow. Oh, do you want to do 50? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I think 25 will, will do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think that's the, the plan. Uh, but yes, by all means, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fudge for channel updates, all these things. Actually, that's the TV channel. Uh, at Screams Midnight for the Mail Fuzz Movies channel, uh, for specific updates for this. Uh, but yeah, like and subscribing, ding the bell, all those things do help out YouTube channel, so please do. If you listen to the audio version, uh, give us a five-star review, uh, on iTunes or Podcast Addict or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, and Tara will tell you about Patreon. That's right, Peter. And if you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes 
of the Ace, which we were just talking about, I believe. So if you enjoy our reviews of our blockbuster 90s films, maybe check out our 90s VHS rental film selection of movies on on the Patreon bonus. <laughs> I'm sure there's some there. Uh, what was yeah. that one we did with uh, Rutger Hauer? A uh, split second? Split second. Yeah, you know that was a 90s VHS blockbuster rental. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a lot of good stuff on there. A lot of fun films to talk about. Uh, some David Carradine specials mm-hmm. and some uh, Gary Graham specials. He's always special, though. And soon we're going to have Jeffrey Combs. Wait, no, we're not. That's going to be on the regular channel. But there's going to be some sci-fi B-movies that we could talk about. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Jeffrey Combs is in some bonus episode-level material that we could do if we want. Um yes. Because from beyond will not be enough. <laughs> I suspect uh, Tara's decided that already. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Tara is going to pose for the thumbnails, so uh, here we go. Um, look like you're listening for the stars, but also intent and thought like Jodie Foster. All right, three, two, one, pose. Yeah, it was such a good Nailed idea it. for uh, Vasta Nay that she did that again for this one. Yeah, it was no, it was a uh, Cosmos that we did for. Oh, was it Cosmos? I want to say we did it for both. I feel like they had similar things because they were both about listening for you know signals from space kind of thing. Joe, you know, I, I actually can, can I say something that's really maybe going to be controversial for Tara here. You like Cosmos more than Contact? No, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to make a comparison. One of the things we said, well, the main thing we even, really, that we said about Cosmos, if you haven't seen our Cosmos review, I highly recommend going and checking it out. It was a hoot of a review. Uh, but, you know, it was about these three guys in a van who listened for space signals and blah, blah. And it was a really low-budget movie about them hearing First Contact and all the stuff that comes with that, right? Um very commendable effort in terms of like they did what they could with three actors and a small budget and all the rest of it but the big thing we talked about is how it, it they wrote the script and tried to treat it like it was some hollywood epic because it had like all these like tense moments with music where they try to like race to get to a destination and there was like sentimental stuff with like the now you get the team hat you know you now you get the cosmos hat um <laughs> is that and I actually had this thought during contact, which is why I'm I'm glad you reminded me by mentioning it, is that in a weird way, the sentimentality and the over dramatization of Cosmos, like Contact kind of has it as well. The only difference is, is that Contact is actually a big budget Hollywood movie. <laughs> so it fits better with Contact. But some of the problems I have with Cosmos are the same problems that I have with Contact. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you look she even has the, the uh, we've watched both of those films and they are not alike in she, any way she has the little compass that goes back and forth between her and McConaughey that's like the red hat that's like the red cosmos hat <laughs> better hold on to it it might save your life one day <laughs> I knew that was going to get a reaction uh, but that has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment thank you very much once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction the computer at salsa <laughs>